So welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead. It's a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective because I am a hospice social worker. And I have today with me special guest, Emily. And as I understand, you're the animal curator for Turpentine Creek Wildlife Refuge. Is this correct? Yeah, that's correct. Well, I am going to honor the massive amount of time that you don't have because I'm sure you're completely overwhelmed with <laughs> interview requests at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a little bit insane. But, um, <laughs> I can imagine. But at the same time, if we can get out there and correct, uh, you know, some people's views on this whole whole thing, and also, you know, maybe uh, get some more support here, you know, we're closed, and that's the first time ever, so. Right, exactly. That's, um, that's one of my main reasons I wanted to have you on. So for people that haven't seen it or are living under a rock, Tiger King is a documentary that's on Netflix right now, and since everyone's stuck at home, they have nothing better to do than watch this craziness, which is kind of like Dateline meets reality TV. I don't, I don't even know. That's a good way to describe it, yeah. It is, uh, I think, seven-part series. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of just chaos. Uh, but in the underlying story is basically one individual that has this zoo and has crazy things going on in his life and then also is in a feud with another cat rescue place that is trying to shut him down because of his exploitation of tigers and lions and other animals. Yeah. And what I want to do really is just not focus on the craziness and drama. There's going to be plenty of podcasts talking about that. But what I want to focus on really is the cat part because social justice to me does not just apply to humans. It applies to animals as well. And so I just want to focus on that side of it. Really. I know Turpentine Creek myself. I've been there. It's been probably eight years, but my great aunt and uncle lived like five minutes away. So uh, much to my surprise, when I went to visit, we got to go to Turpentine Creek. Yeah. And at that time, I'm sure you've grown a lot since then, but um, oh, at, yes, at that time, yeah. there were um, two amazing ligers in the corner on the left. And I feel like there was a white tiger named Zeus. Yeah. And my favorite, who I cannot remember his name and probably has moved since then, but there was a absolutely gorgeous male lion. Um, right as kind of you come in before you get to the big exhibits. And his, his caroling was just so amazing. It just runs through you. And it's something you can't explain unless you've heard it yourself and felt it. Yes, I'm sure that was Willie. Yes, Willie! Yeah. <laughs> Willie was amazing. So um, since I saw it, I mean, obviously I didn't know anything about cat rescues. And watching this documentary certainly shows the underbelly of craziness of exotic pets so maybe you can tell us a little bit about you maybe how you came to be at turpentine creek how long you've been there and what's turpentine creek all about in comparison to this craziness we're seeing on tv yeah okay i uh came from upstate new york 21 years ago i had received my degree in zoology and um always wanted to help tigers, save tigers, do something, you know, because even then, you know, they were endangered. And and uh, it just became my goal in life, and I got to live the, I'm still living the dream, I guess, uh, you know, helping them. But I'm helping them in ways that I had no idea 
was even happening in the United States, and that is this unbelievable amount of animals. Tigers are probably one of the, the, the top cats, but these big cats that privately owned uh, people have, and, and they have nowhere to go, and, that, and that's why sanctuaries uh, have to exist. So Turpentine Creek was founded in 1992, and Tanya Smith, our, our president, and her parents, Don and Hilda Jackson, founded it. And, you know, they kind of uh, stumbled upon a lion. Her, her father did years and years previous to that. And they were avid animal lovers, and he stumbled upon a lion cub, male lion cub tied to a tree, chained oh. to a tree, and knew that this was, this was really bad. So he offered the guy to exchange, you know, uh, a dirt bike for this lion cub. So the guy did it. Well... That, you know, on and on from there, another lion that somebody privately owned, you know, and realized it's an African lion. So the Jacksons offered to, to take in Sheila also. So it was Bum and Sheila. So then years after that, they're living in Hope, Arkansas. And one of these typical people, like we saw in the Tiger King, uh, pulls onto their neighbor's property. And their neighbor knew that, that Don and Hilda, and by the way, they built these lions in a, a, a big enclosure because they knew these are African lions. They realize that very, very quickly, and they're not a pet. Right. So then somebody pulls down on the neighbor's uh, property that has 42, 42 lions and tigers stuffed into three horse trailers. What? And so they knew of the property in Eureka Springs and took everything they had, all of their money, and purchased the land and uh, started building these smaller enclosures just to get those animals out of that situation. Yeah, anything's well, got to be better than a horse trailer. Uh-huh. Right, just to get them because, you know, how are, I mean, how are they eating? They, they, you know, they want to probably kill each other. I, how do you get them water? So that's what, that's what you see from some of these, these crazy people that we, we saw in the docuseries, that it's almost like a, it becomes an addiction to them and, and how many they can have. And so it gets out of control. So anyways, they build these small enclosures and... Not too much long after, the woman um, decides that she's going to take all of her animals and leave. So that prompted them to start Turpentine Creek Wildlife Refuge and, and create the foundation so that they could protect the animals and give them lifelong care after rescuing them. So eight years ago when you came here, there were still some of those smaller enclosures. The mm-hmm. goal, there's 459 acres here, the goal is to, to build all these big natural habitats for for all of the cats, you know, and... and it took longer than we wanted because every time we would build a new large enclosure, you'd get a call on another rescue, you know? Right. And, um, and so now, you know, we have just about over 100 acres developed and all of these huge natural habitats for these animals to, to be able to be rescued and come spend the rest of their life here at Turpentine Creek. Now, we are a uh, global federation of animal sanctuaries. That's GFAS, uh, accredited sanctuary. Um, so we have to, in order to get accreditation through a reputable source like GFAS, there, there's lots of high standards that you, you have to be, you know, able to meet and have a plan and, you know, meet goals and, and high standards in animal care. And so, you know, that's been an amazing step for us, too. We're also part of the Big Cat Sanctuary Alliance, which is verified in, in accredited sanctuaries. and some others and they're all following those same rules you know and uh, basically we're in it to see the the uh, exploitation of these animals go out of business and so 
Carol Baskin, uh, Big Cat Rescue, was, um, you know, uh, in the in the docu series also, and and she was portrayed in in a very uh, very demeaning way, and um, I, I'm I'm personally disappointed in the way the whole docu series went, but the other people that are in there, that that's typically how they are. We we see these type of people um, almost any time we've gone on rescues. Mm-hmm. So um, it's dangerous, you know, and they're and they're just exploiting the animals now. Sanctuaries actually shouldn't even have to exist. You know, sanctuaries are out there existing because these people have sold so many animals over the years, you know, that, um, that it's, it's just gotten out of control. And so if we can pass laws and, and stop this, you know, we can hope that someday these, these animals aren't being treated cruelly and they're, they're not out there that need to be rescued, you know? Right. Yeah, and I have been watching the videos that you guys have been putting out on Facebook and stuff, updating everybody and um, just kind of trying to fundraise in the midst of not having visitors. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. But I did want to give you the opportunity because it did say that you work with Carol in Big, Big Cat Sanctuaries. And did you have any comments or things that you wanted to correct or say um, it did show in the documentary that she had originally uh, been breeding. And I can certainly see that, you know, on her side, she realized that was not a good thing to do and changed her ways and started a sanctuary. That's kind of how I took it. So um, did you have absolutely, more to add to that? Absolutely. And, and I hope that everybody sees it that way, but they don't. They're focused on something in her past that has nothing to do with how much she has fought for the plight of these animals and, and saving them and, and stopping these bad guys, these these backyard breeding facilities that are doing cub petting and play for pay for play and, you know, that kind of stuff. And and so yeah, you know, everybody changes, you know. I mean, you were here when we had smaller enclosures, you know. Right. And and we we finally got to all these large natural habitats. So, you know, everybody grows along the way. But but the bad guys on this film have gotten worse and worse and worse because mm-hmm. everything about it, they never talk about Carol, uh, Big Cat Rescue being a non-for-profit like um, Turpentine Creek is. You mm-hmm. know, we, we have, of course, uh, you know, money that needs to be raised in order for to to run the facility, but on an operational budget. And so, you know, she was getting slammed about having volunteers and have, I mean, are you kidding me? They're a non-profit, you know? They have to, to fundraise in order to take care of all of these animals, and, and every sanctuary is a little a little different, you know. Right. But um, I, I I feel really bad for the way that I felt that it came across, and so I hope everybody like you, you know, realizes that it's a Big Cat Rescue is a wonderful wonderful facility, and they are also GFAS accredited, and they're also part of the Big Cat Sanctuary Alliance. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'll be honest, even just seeing her stuff on film and having seen yours eight years ago, your guys' facility is amazing. I mean, it was obvious that the cats were not being bothered by people, that they had amazing, that you were working hard to create all these big enclosures for them so they could have those natural habitats. And it wasn't just a voyeuristic, you know, situation. Right. Yeah, and, the, and we're, we're all... At- totally hands-off facilities. You know, we don't uh, need to um, stick our arms through the fence and hug a, uh, hug a lion or, you know, go into the enclosure with 
sticks and it just, I mean, that type of stuff that you saw in, in Tiger King is just, that's the, the demeanor of these people, you know, they, they, they think that they're greater than the cats, you know, because really, probably because the cats haven't eaten them yet, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can, on one hand, I can see, like, everyone's fascinated with wildlife, particularly tigers and lions, and they're gorgeous, and they're so cute when they're kittens, you know, and right. easier to manage, even though they could still rip your finger off. And they're wild animals, you know, but I can see how people would get sucked in on a smaller level at the beginning. And it's just like one kitten and isn't it cute? And then they kind of allude to that in the series. It's like, yeah, eventually they're 900 pounds and you can't feed them or care for them or, you know, manage them because they're a wild animal. Yeah, and they shouldn't, you know... No habitat built is going to be big enough for these guys when you look at and how much land they need in the wild or land they use in the wild, you know. And so that's kind of the point, too, of sanctuaries. They were saying, oh, well, you know, they're all in cages. Well, none of them should be in cages, really. Right. You know, I mean, they shouldn't have been bred. Right. They're not genetically pure animals. You know, this, this, is, this is sanctuaries are necessary due to these people breeding and throwing them aside, you know? And it's changed so much over the years, and not for the good for these bad guys. You know, it went from no laws regulating big cats in this country, and maybe a couple states had that. But with no laws regulating it, people just started breeding and selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were back then making ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 apiece. I mean, you know, and then white tigers came about. I mean, look at Siegfried and Roy and how many they've bred. And, and they, you know, white tigers were, were definitely selling for $20,000 a piece. I so couldn't believe that like he ever, said he was selling tiger cubs for $2,000. Oh, yeah. But but it's gotten further further from that now. Mm. I mean, even because more and more people started doing it, and that's why that number is out there, that there's anywhere from ten to 20,000 big cats in this country. Right. You know, so people were making a fortune off of this so everybody starts doing it now more and more people are doing it in their backyard and selling tiger cubs and so then over the years that money goes down mm-hmm. right just like everything and and it, all these exotic animal auctions existed like in ohio and pennsylvania some of the worst missouri and you could go in there and walk out now buying a tiger or a lion for 350 500 bucks that's crazy. maybe a thousand or two if it's white so now that has all been stopped. You know, a lot these auctions don't have these big cats. I'm sure there's a lot of black market and underground. Mm-hmm. But now the big money is these places that are doing the pay for play and the cup petting right. and exploiting these animals and taking them from their mother. I'm sure you saw in the film. I mean, yes. grabbing a newborn cub immediately. So they're then they're speed breeding these these mothers. Right. You know, which is not good for their health either. But the tiger cubs that everybody wants to hold and take their photo with are suffering and dying later. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them end up with metabolic bone disease. They're not getting the proper nutrition they need. I mean, they grow, tiger cubs grow so fast and uh, they, they, you know, they need a ton of calcium for their bones to keep up with their growth. I mean, they're born two to four pounds. And by the time they're a year old, they can be 100, 120. Right. You know, and so people social media didn't help right everybody taking selfies and then 
tiger cub babies holding on to tiger. And so people aren't thinking about the animal and what happens to them after. Right. You know, they're thinking about the moment and how many likes they're going to get on Facebook. That's, and so that became the huge money thing. I mean, we took over a facility in 2016 just to shut it down. Spearheaded the largest rescue of big cats so far in this country of 115 animals. And 14 facilities, reputable sanctuaries, helped in the placement of all these cats. But you wouldn't believe the number of animals that were going in and out of that place. Mm. And by the way, they worked with Joe and Jeff. And, you know, you can see we got all the records from that facility. We can see how many animals were going out of there, how many cubs were born and died. Died at the age of five months. Died at the, like, just sickening, you know. And so during that rescue was when we we rescued three. We got to the, the place on the grounds, and there was three white tiger cubs that couldn't walk at four months old. Oh, and they were dragging themselves. Their bones were so brittle from metabolic bone disease that they had fractures through them. And that, and, but they were done. They couldn't use them anymore for the cub petting and pay for play. So they get thrown aside, but don't worry, they have their next one's coming in. Yeah. And at that facility, we were told at that time, that guy was making anywhere from seven to $9,000 on the weekend days. That's just crazy. Just by doing cub petting. That's sick, you know. Yeah. So now this, I mean, literally these animals, you could draw a dollar sign on them because that's all that they were worth. So, you know, these people have to be shut down. We need laws passed. We need people enforcing these laws. And we need to save these animals. Yeah, and and you brought up so many things. I didn't want to interrupt you. (laughs) My brain was going crazy. Um, But you, you guys, if they're not fixed already, you guys are spay and neutering your the cats, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we would never breed. Um, right. I mean, there's too many animals out there that's, that need to be rescued. But on a scientific side of it, none of these animals are genetically pure. Right. You know, they're not pure Amur. They're not pure Bengal. They're not the pure subspecies of tigers. There's They quote-unquote... I've heard people call them the American tiger, mm. you know, because they're, they, they could have all of these different subspecies mixed within them. When and, you were talking um, about the health of the mothers with speed breeding, but I seem to remember there was an adorable white tiger that you guys had that had facial deformities because of inbreeding. Yes, absolutely. And they Penny don't even talk about name. that. Right. He's pretty famous um, yeah. <laughs> on, on the line still, um, you know, and he, he passed away got melanoma actually but you know yeah his face was deformed you know and it didn't cause him any issues other than what he looked like but you you have to imagine how many people these these bad guys what about all those cats that are born deformed right we i've heard people have said and, and told us in the past that some of these bad guys that were on that docuseries they have their own incinerators I heard that on the show, and I was going to yeah. ask you, I'm, I am sure it would not surprise me, and it probably would not surprise you, to believe that they just breed them and then kill them. Yep, yep. Which is so I, uh, tragic. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. So everybody needs to really do your homework before you go anywhere, and, and do your homework on this docuseries. I mean, really understand you know, what these bad guys are and what uh, good sanctuaries are, you know. Don't go to these roadside zoos. They all work with them, too. They all trade animals back and forth, back and forth, you know. Mm -hmm. So people really just need to do their homework right now. 
Well, I wonder just quickly what your thoughts were on, because there are all these animals, and they very briefly mentioned it in the documentary, but I'm, there's so much more to the issue of conservation. And some of their excuses, which obviously don't hold up because they're just doing it for money, but some of the excuses are, well, you want to breed them because in the wild they're going extinct. So what were your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, first, uh, of course, I think it's the most selfish thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's, it's, it's people's, there's a loss of land for the, the tigers in the wild. And there's a, in my opinion, yes, we are going to see them go extinct, probably in my lifetime. But you can't, first of all, you can't breed tigers that are genetically not pure. Right. You know, what? that's not going to help anything. You're that not saving a species if it's not, not the true species. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not genetically pure. So then, and then there is absolutely no program right now that is doing any re-releasing, you know, breeding and re-releasing tigers to help the population. Right. You know, that not I'm aware e- Not of. even so, zoos, right. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, that's just a bunch of bull. And then a lot of these pay-for-play places that claim that conservation side of it and claim the money's going back, or they'll, they'll say, they try to get smart, you know, and say, oh, we're, we're giving it back to this tiger conservation fund. Most of those funds are theirs. Mm. The, those aren't even true conservation funds. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, do your homework. But anybody that's out there breeding tigers right now is, uh, is absolutely the bad guy category. Yeah. And anybody using any baby animal, it doesn't even have to just be tigers. I mean, primates, anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard of the, some of those places on there had sloths. You know, we it's it's selfish of us to feel that we as human beings feel that we need to touch those animals. They're wild animals. Yeah. You know, um, and it's just completely unfair. But I want to touch I'm them. <laughs> With that, sorry. But I want to touch them. <laughs> but it, but it's selfish. I know, I know? know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I was thinking You're just about trying to make me mad. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, there, there's a picture that I have from when I was about ten, and you know, you're ten, you don't know any better. It was at a fair, and there was yep. a full size, um, what I assume was some kind of Bengal tiger. It was orange, but mm-hmm. big. I mean, he was huge. And I, you know, I'm reaching over and I'm touching him while I'm getting this picture taken. And it used to be, I loved this picture. And as I got older and I'm looking at this picture and I'm like, this tiger is very likely sedated and has a big chain around his neck. And it's just awful. And how long did he have to sit there and tolerate us dummies just walking up to touch him? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you ever um, hear of uh, the the tiger... A temple. That sounds familiar. A bunch of monks. They've, they've been taken down now, but they were drugging all these animals and then chaining them in different spots on the ground so that tourists could come and, and go and lay by it. And Ugh. all these animals were drugged. Mm-hmm. That's awful. And then later sold off for parts when they didn't couldn't use them anymore. Oh, my gosh. So it's just a... Yeah. I mean, I I truly hope that people become educated after this and hopefully fight for the Big Cat and Public Safety Act to be passed. You can go to turpentinecreek.org, 
or tcwr.org, our website, and it's laid out right there for you how to um, advocate and support the, the bill for the Big Cat and Public Safety Act. So any, um, Emily, final thoughts on anything that we've talked about, and then I want to let you let the listeners know how they can best support Turpentine Creek specifically right. because of this COVID situation and you are not allowing people in due to safety reasons, but you still have to feed these cats and that's not cheap. Yeah. So how can people right. best support you and or final thoughts? Yeah, well, um, definitely check out our website, check out our Facebook. We're putting out as many posts as we can and live feed so that people can see what's going on here. And people can also learn about, you know, the proper things about sanctuaries and, and, and what these animals need to be taken care of. Um, so please check that out. And we are, yes, in desperate need of donations right now. We have been closed for the first time. Um, our operational uh, budget is around 140000 a month. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to not be given educational tours and, and having some of that financing come back in to support the sanctuaries is tough. You know, so anybody that can, can donate, and I know times are tough for everyone during during this time, and but every little bit counts, you know, if you can help the animals and support good sanctuaries and do your homework and make sure make sure that, that those sanctuaries are really true sanctuaries. And we have a spot on our website, uh, huge educational pages that, that talk about a true sanctuary and things that you should know um, before you go out to any, any facilities with animals. And uh, we hope that everyone stays healthy and um, safe during all of this and, and hope to welcome anybody to visit Turpentine Creek when we reopen. Absolutely. And can you tell the people where exactly in Arkansas you are so they can find you? Yes, we are seven miles south of Eureka Springs. And Eureka and so Springs is a fun little town, so you have no excuse not to is. go there. <laughs> it's an amazing, it's an amazing cute little town and people love it. And so we're just south of there and one of the largest uh, big cat reputable sanctuaries in, in the U.S. And, you know, for people that buy on Amazon, which pretty much is everyone at this point, you can always do Smile Amazon and pick a, a charity to support. And you guys, Turpentine Creek is on there. You can choose yes, Turpentine Creek are. to support yeah. just through your daily buying habits. Right. Um, and I, we have a wish list on there. So when you're on there buying, just grab something off our wish list and have it sent here. Absolutely. And you've got fundraisers. There's a donate button on your Facebook and we will be yeah. donating $100 to you and your your work with the cats and hope that you oh, get through you this. Much. Absolutely. We encourage all of our listeners to support actual true sanctuaries and taking care of these beautiful animals that did not ask to be in cages. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you putting the word out there and hopefully, uh, you know, people, it'll set some people straight on on their thoughts and questions on on the other virus that we're dealing with right now. Yes, absolutely. Please, (laughs) (laughs) please be safe yourself and your staff. And I will be watching Facebook and we'll put up uh, information on our Facebook page once you're back open so people can go and visit you. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening. And yeah, get on Facebook and Instagram and share whatever you can about us. All right. Thanks so much, Emily. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that concludes our talk with Emily. She is the animal curator for Turpentine Creek Wildlife Refuge down in Arkansas. 
by Eureka Springs. And I hope we've learned something today. We've gotten an education. We've gotten some information from actual people that are actually doing the work. If you are able, any little bit that you can helps, please donate. If you have questions, please email me at someDayDeadPC at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at someDayDeadPC and Someday We'll All Be Dead Podcast. Please take care of yourselves and stay safe and healthy. We don't need any other reasons to uh, go sooner than we can. And um, don't die. Don't let a tiger maul you. Someday we'll all be dead. <laughs>